where you going? No, man, you got the right classroom. Come on in, take a seat beside me, my friend. Hey, look, here come T.A. Charlie. Let's see what he got to say. It's Manic Monday, and you're watching The Road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic. Homeroom is on Rumble. You just go to Rumble and you search the channels for The Road to Concord. It's one word. When you find it, you go ahead and you click follow. Might mean you got to set up an account, but it's fast, it's easy, it's free. I did it. You can do it. For those technologically challenged members of the class, you can also catch us on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and sometimes YouTube. Yeah, it's mostly just Wednesdays when we're not going to get censored. Then you can catch the podcast after the show. It's uploaded to Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and occasionally to BitChute. Just look for The Road to Concord. You can go to the blog page. That's roadtoconcord.com. That's where you find all your show notes, study notes, and handouts for the class. Finally, you can email a professor at joe at the road to concord.com. He's a little slow right now, but... Uh, hey, I answered the emails this morning. Okay, well, he's getting caught up, so you might be okay for a little bit. Phones are on today, but only for registered numbers. We only accept calls from regular known classmates. If you wish to call in and our regular classmate, you may request phone access through an email, and I'll think about letting you through. If you find that way. class is helpful, please click the thumbs up, like, subscribe, and share it with those you think could benefit from it. Just warn them, Joe is an acquired taste. Monday's a good day to find that out. Charlie, you forgot to tell the class to silence their cell phones. Oh, yeah. I probably forgot to silence mine, too. Yeah, but if they do that, then they can't hear us. Oh, wait a minute. That <laughs> might be a true. good thing. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm interrupting. This show is listener-sponsored. <laughs> Meaning we do not solicit business advertising, so we are not limited in the content we provide for y'all. With that said, we do ask for your participation on a value-for-value basis. If you find our show of value to you, then you provide an equivalent portion of your labor and treasure through the donut link on the Road to Concord blog page, the show description on Rumble, and the comments on the other streams. Hey, we all know T.A. Charlie isn't all there. Now, just be seated and give it a chance. You soon realize we not might be the smartest, but we each independently form opinions based on reason and logic. We're free thinkers. Let's see what the road to Concord with Professor Joe Bakanovic has on the lesson plan for today. Before we even get going, let me answer a question on the board from Aaron Spikes. Joe, did you watch Leave the World Behind? No. Instead of watching it, I did it. I left the world behind this weekend. Actually. Well, yeah, sort of, kind of, man. I went way back in time, about 2,400 years and somewhere in there. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, well, you know what? Might as well do it right now. Yo, it's Manic Monday. Okay, you know, quick housekeeping note before we get going on the on the headlines of the, of the day or the week. Um, I was going to do this show on Christmas Thursday. Changed my mind because it's not as much conspiracy in my head anymore. Now I think I can pretty much give you the lowdown on how Christmas came to be and what all goes with that tomorrow. Teaching Tuesday. Um, We're going to do the history of the war on Christmas. This is a lot older than people might think. And, uh, oh boy, is this going to be a good show. I spent the whole week in researching this one. I have read a ton on this topic. And 
I'll be honest with you, man. If I had not been trained how to use logic and reason and critical thinking, <clears throat> I would be ready to pull my hair out because I went through dozens of websites and not a one of them agreed with another. Dozens of websites and no two seem to agree on everything, which tells me that nobody knows what the truth is. That doesn't mean the truth isn't there. Um, so let me show that to you tomorrow. That'll be the show tomorrow on what we should be making out of Christmas. And then Wednesday on worship Wednesday, we're going to do a piggyback show on why that matters. <laughs> so that's going to give us Thursday free day. Cause you know, Friday we're, we're going to finish up on the, uh, the logic applied logic lesson on, um, on the, the Hebrew roots movement thing. So Thursday's a free day. And I don't know what we're going to do. I'm probably going to see if Charlie is still alive. I might slip him some money Wednesday afternoon and Wednesday morning when he's going home and ask him to beg him to bring donuts on Thursday. And we can be donut aided for the last day of this month of uh, this year before we go into our break. Because don't forget, next week, a week from today, we're going to be doing, if all goes well, um, replay shows. Yeah, if I figure it out. Yeah, Charlie's still working on it. He's y'all have to forgive him. He, he's he's got his breather working again. Well, sort of, kind of. He's getting better, but he isn't. Okay, he, he's 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 doing all right. He pulled out of the power dive, but he's still got sick engines. He he, he can't gain any altitude. Got to put it in Air Force terms. So he's still down in the weeds, hopping over bushes and trees, trying to trying to get a little altitude, a little speed up. You know, yeah, my afterburners ain't working. Yeah, you still can't get it at idle. So, let alone military power. I mean, come on. And if you're if you're a jet jockey, <clears throat> altitude and speed are life. Well, he ain't got any of that right now. But at least he's not he's not crashing. He's not going to auger in. <laughs> Aaron Spike says he's going to get himself some jelly filled donuts for for Thursday. Hey man, I might even be able to get myself some lemon filled donuts. That'd be a sweet tart. Yeah. All right. Anyhow. Today's show, that, that's enough for the notes for now. Today's show is, um, oh boy, good, good goobly mook goop. If you, uh, if you would please go to your homework assignment, you know, to the blog page, theroadtoconcord.com, you will see that I've pretty much got that up there for you. And we'll come back to that in just a second, but it's going to deal with this video, which is dealing with this book and the man who wrote it. And we're going to come back to all that in a minute. And a few other stories that I threw in there. But for the most part, worse than you think. This is a Glenn Beck video. It's on YouTube. You can watch it here. This is not the entire video. The best parts are in the last 10 or 12 minutes of the of the of what they filmed, but you have to be a Blaze TV member to uh, be able to see that. That that part's behind the paywall. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. Oh man, I cannot stress how much I recommend and urge you to go watch this video sometime today or tomorrow. If you are concerned about the state of this country, what's going on in our government, how it works, who's behind all of this stuff, you want to watch this video. It's by it's an interview. Glenn Beck is interviewing a guy by the name of Cash Patel. He used to be an, an intelligence operative and prosecutor or whatever for, for uh, the um, Trump administration. He's got a new book out called Government Gangsters, The Deep State, The Truth, and the Battle for Our Democracy. Oh, boy. I bought the book. This is also really good, better than the interview. But 
some of the things he reveals in here. Oh boy. This man has read classified documents. The type that I'd love to get my hands on. Like he says the he's read the entire file with the JFK assassination. And in uh I think it's behind the paywall, but he's talking to Glenn about that one. And he's being very cagey because he's he's staying within his security classifications. He doesn't divulge anything he shouldn't. So he's being cagey in how he says it, but Glenn misses what he's trying to tell him. He tells Glenn that, you know, we we already know everything that that's in the report of any real substance dealing with the actual assassination of Kennedy. And he Im implies that he's going to accept the Warren Commission's findings. I don't, but that might not be what he's what he means. He might mean that we already know who did it. You know, we we might have the conspiracy theorists might have already figured this out. But the part that Glenn seems to miss is he hints that the Kennedy assassination isn't over. What? Yeah. If you've never been around spooks, intel types, not spies per se, but the intelligence operatives and intelligence gathers and intelligence analysts, um, I've been around one side of that triad a, a little bit in my life. Um, if you've ever been around them, they have a very peculiar way of talking. They say things without saying them. And they hear it loud and clear when they're talking to each other. But it, it's like in its own language. I've told you before, you can use English and, and say things that mean one thing to you and another to everybody else. But they say things out in the clear. And if you don't understand how they talk, you'll miss it. But he made a little comment to Glenn, uh, to Glenn Beck, and Glenn was asking him about, well, what can you tell us? And he goes, well, all I'm going to tell you is you think it's over. And he moved on. And Glenn didn't catch that. And what Patel was trying to tell him is you think the Kennedy assassination event was over. And no, it's not. And he does at one point in the interview, he explains to Glenn that because he's looking at everything going on in the government from an intelligence perspective and a DOJ prosecutor's, you know, uh, perspective. So to him, it, it's either intelligence or prosecutorial that everything's that way. You know, like if, if all you have is a hammer, everything you see is a nail. So he's looking at the problem this way. And he's explaining to Glenn that, you know, this isn't over. Well, in intelligence, nothing ever ends. It, it's an ongoing, continuous process. And I've tried to, oh boy, I got my own problem here now. Hold on. Um, let me think of how I can say this to you. I've tried to teach you to think this way over the course of this program without telling you that's what I'm trying to do. It, it's like, okay, I'm here today and I've got this problem. Okay, well, I go back in time and I know about this guy and he's connected to this girl and they were doing this operation. So what's that give me? And then you start asking questions. If you've long-term classmate, you know I've told you this before. Start asking questions. Well, what does this mean? And you get a couple of answers and you goes, well, what does that mean? And you start thinking through these things and all of a sudden, you start realizing, hey, there's a velocity vector here. This is connected to this, is connected. Well, that's conspiracy theory stuff, Joe. Um, newsflash, boys and girls. That's about 80% of what the intelligence community does. Analysts, anyway. Conspiracy theories. Only they call it wargaming. So maybe what we should start doing is, instead of calling ourselves conspiracy theorists, call ourselves wargamers. 
and everybody will just think we're talking about video games or board games. And what we'll actually be talking about is uh, what type of things can we put together that make this make sense? Because that's exactly what the intelligence community does. You know, the analyst side of it. We hand you a whole bunch of garbage that doesn't seem to be connected. You throw it out on the ground, you mix it around, you go, oh, here's how it all makes sense. You throw out the garbage, you keep the you keep the good pieces and you put the story together. Then you send your assets out into the field to go check it and see whether or not you're correct. And this is about the extent to where I'm going to go with this line of thinking. But this is what Patel is trying to explain to Beck. Just like he, he mentions four or five or six or seven times that we need to have the seven or nine pages that we haven't seen from the 9-11 report released. And he says, there's no reason we can't release them. He goes, that it should be de- unclassified. It should be put out there. And he stresses it over and over and over again. And Beck never wants to hammer down on that during the interview. Now, it could be he's intentionally avoiding it. I don't know. I don't necessarily trust Glenn Beck's mental acumen. He's he's smart. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's dumb. What I'm saying is it's obvious he doesn't think like an intelligence operative or analyst. And he doesn't catch what's going on in everything, I don't think. He could. I might be wrong. Might be a good actor. But I don't think he's catching everything that's going on in this interview. Because when an intelligence operative keeps stressing a report, there's something in there we need to see. And Patel, at one point, and in, in this is behind the paywall, he says, if we ever get that released, he said, there are going to be a lot of people get very, very angry. And he also said that what, what um, Trump ought to do is run on the promise to release some of this stuff. Because they like Epstein's file, if you're behind the paywall, he tells you they know exactly where Epstein's records are. The FBI director has them. Direct control over them. Just like that that shooter that happened a while back that wrote that manifesto, you know, the 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 transformer shooter, the he, she, the she, he, the what? I don't, I'm sorry. I'm politically incorrect. So if you want to report me, knock yourselves out. If you're a guy who thinks you're a girl, you've got a mental disorder. If you're a girl who thinks you're a guy and you're trying to transfer yourself into the different, you've got a mental problem. We need to treat you for mental disorders. That or you got a demon. It's one of the two or both. Uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Well, the manifesto that hasn't been published, Patel tells everybody, yeah, that's the, the, the director of the FBI swooped in and scooped that up. And Beck asks him, why? Why does the FBI get itself involved in all of this stuff? For Patel, he says, you know, it's all about money. It's all about money. So everything in his book, he connects to money. That's why he's calling them gangsters. It's all about money, money, money. Follow them. This is the money, 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 money. It's all about the money. money. So that's how he's thinking. Dan Bongino does the same thing. Follow the money. Everybody's about, it's about money. Well, we'll come back to that in a minute. But he says that what's happening here is the FBI and the DOJ scoop these things up and then they use them to control local police departments. You do what I tell you to do or you don't get your money from the federal government. Well, a million dollars might not seem a whole lot like to the mil- to the federal government, but if you're a local, you know, local township sheriff, million dollars could be a big part of your budget. You know, you could have four or five deputies under that type of paycheck. So, yeah, that's how they control things. Now, the beauty of this interview is that he names names and he tells you where they were in the government and how they're working within the government and how they protect each other. 
He also stresses something else in this video. And Charlie, you've got a classification or have at least held one at one time. So you're going to appreciate this. He keeps stressing this. And again, Beck seems to miss it. Beck doesn't ask a follow-up question on this. But Patel keeps saying the the Hillary's internet files were scrubbed. He says this person's phone records are scrubbed. This person's cell phone records have been scrubbed. This person's emails have been scrubbed. And he goes through this litany of lists of things, of records that have been scrubbed. And Beck goes, well, the NSA has them. And Patel says, yeah, I'm not going to deny that, but good luck getting them. Who's going to get them away from the NSA for you? You know, the NSA uh, data bank in Colorado. Beck missed the point. Beck focuses on, I want to see what's there. He missed the point. Do you understand? Does anybody in this class have any understanding of what it takes to scrub these things? And what type of level of, of clearance has to... You don't just scrub it and get away with it. You just take a wipe and, and you know, wipe off the server. Right, but how many people will know you did that? Well, of course, everybody knows. So what's involved in wiping it without anybody getting punished? Oh, now that's a different story. That's what Patel was trying to get at that Beck missed. That's some high-level approval. Yeah, that, that's high-level stuff. Yeah, as in at the height of height, you know, somebody yeah. up there in in the command authority within our government is Dinky allowing. Doodle dandy. Yeah, and there's code words in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Patel is trying hard to explain to Beck that there's more going on here than Beck seems to be catching on to. Um, in, in this video, though. When you what you're gonna see and Patel for him, it's all about the money. They all want to just get rich. We'll get to all of this in a minute. But he does name how this person will move here, and then then when they're done in government, they'll go to business. And he explains how the connections work. For that alone, he shows you the gears and cogs of the machine that has been built and how that works and who he names names. He tells you where they are. People you've never heard of in some cases. And people that some of us have heard and others haven't. But folks, watch. If you are politically minded at all, I don't care what party you are in. This is not a party issue. Watch that video that I put in there for you in your homework. Go find it and watch it. The bulk of the video Glenn has made available to everybody. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yes, when I heard it and when I watched it, I was like, there's some of the missing pieces. Now I got it. So to that extent, it was good enough that I bought the book and I thumbed through it a little bit this weekend, but I didn't have a chance to read it because I was busy on tomorrow's tomorrow's class, getting the lesson plan together. But watch the video. And we're going to get to Mr. Patel again here in a minute, in a few minutes. He, he's going to show back up again before the end of the day. But very, very, very good. And he's got some... Uh, Here's another thing you're going to love. If he's correct, and if he's being honest, we can trust Trump. So we'll get to that again in a minute as well. So what he does in this video is good, especially in explaining all the intelligence operations and how they work. And that's exactly what he's actually telling Beck. He was a prosecutor, but that's not what he's focusing on in that interview. And I, I don't know whether or not Beck saw it i really wish beck's old advisor buck sexton had still been with him at the time 
as Buck worked for the CIA and Buck would have probably heard this interview in an entire, with entirely different ears than Beck Glenn did. But anyhow, very worth your time. The book is worth it too. So what's really going on here. And here's, here's the gem of all this. What Mr. Patel explains in this, in this book, in his book, you, you can get it on Amazon in his book. And in this video with Glenn Beck, what he's explaining is Woodrow Wilson's government within the government. There's no one person in control, folks. There isn't. And he says that. Mr. Patel says that. This is not one person. He says, what this is, is a system. We have a mob. And you have the gangster in charge of the FBI, the gangster in charge of CIA, the gangster in charge of NSA, the gangster in charge of DOJ, the gangster in charge of this, the gangster in charge. You got mob bosses within the government. And they're all trying to make their part of the mob bigger than the others. And they're all trying to get more money than the others. And who's the godfather behind it all? Now, he never goes into that. Yes. That's... <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute, Charlie. That's in my notes. <laughs> but what he's explaining perfectly is Woodrow Wilson's dream. He is. I don't, he never references Woodrow Wilson, but he is explaining Woodrow Wilson's, this is what I want. And we'll get to that. We're going to get to all of that today. Um, we'll review it. This is a review for some of you. If you've been in the class for a long time, this is a review. But he explains it. He details it. The problem here is that what he's telling us, he's acting like we can fix this through normal means. <laughs> oh, nay, nay. <laughs> he, he goes over what needs to be done, but he doesn't tell you how we're going to get it done. So that is a warning sign to me. He tells you what to do, but he doesn't tell you how to do it. He says, you got to do A, B, and C after telling you that the very system required to do A, B, you know, we got to prosecute these people and expose these people. We're going to need the DOJ and the media to do their jobs. But he just told you that the DOJ and the media are the mob. So what he's telling you is we need the mob to clean up the mob. That ain't going to work. And he knows what he's saying. I guarantee you he knows what he's saying, but he didn't acknowledge this. So the system is owned and everybody in it is a made man or a made woman. They're all gangsters. They're all mobsters. He's, that's what he's telling us. And he says, well, somehow or another, we got to fix this but he doesn't tell you how tells you what we got to do, but he doesn't tell you how we're going to do it. And that's because I don't think there is a way to do it. Well, we just got to elect us, oh, please, please. It, you're fornicating for chastity. If you're going to go into that election garbage, that's not going to help you. And then he goes into the GOP. Oh boy. Um, let's just do that right here. I'm going to jump around a little bit in my, uh, in my outline for the class today goes a uh, cash Patel Republican majority rewarded the FBI and the DOJ for breaking the law. They approved the FISA process through next election cycle. And this is from a interview on Fox news. And you go down here and you're reading part of the excerpts here. And he says, um, so, you know, he talks about um, Congress chose to follow the 702 FISA to basically be reauthorized. So, yeah, that required the Republican Party to vote on this. And they did. And they voted it for this. And they approved it. Basically because the Democrats attached it to a bill that the, the Republicans 
just deemed necessary. We got to have this bill. So we'll attach the poison pill to that bill that we know you're going to pass. The Republicans should have just said no. But anyhow, Patel says, what does this mean? What is 702? He says, it's fancy for foreign intelligence surveillance. It means me as a former national security prosecutor and intelligence operative would go overseas and manhunt terrorists. That's what it's for. But the FISA court on April of 2022 publicized an opinion that said the FBI used it illegally 275,000 times domestically against Americans, 16 different occasions against those affiliated with January 6th, 19,000 times domestically against donors to congressional campaign, and wait for it, 24,000 times separate times against Americans and groups in and around January 6th. Folks, this is Woodrow Wilson. This is Gestapo stuff right here. This is. This is what the Gestapo does to its citizens. Patel continues, that FISA process has been turned on its head, redirected inwards, and anyone who says, oh, that's just a Republican conspiracy speak, that's the FISA court that re, uh, rescinded Rod Rosenstein's illegal surveillance of Donald Trump twice based on our investigation. In other words, Patel was in an investigation into this stuff. He, His group forced the... The FISA court to admit this and stop it. The FISA court is not innocent. They're not good guys. But basically what he's saying is we, we caught them so badly that the gangsters stopped the gangsters for a little while. He goes, and now they do it again. And they prove the FBI and DOJ have weaponized justice. And the Republican leadership in Congress allowed it to be reauthorized essentially through the next election cycle, meaning that they can throw the election again using this stuff because that's part of what they were using it for. He continues, what Chris Ray has now done is weaken American national security and redirect one of the most sensitive intelligence apparatuses against elections and those protesting their free speech rights within America. And every time the FISA court asked the FBI, why did you allow your agents to do this? The answer was, I could not recall. And they gave them a get out of jail free card. And the Republican majority, I know this is harsh, rewarded them for breaking the law and allowing this election interference to continue through 2024, mainly against Donald Trump. Y'all understand what he just said? He just said that the GOP are, is going, yay, Donald, yay, Donald, yay, Donald. Why behind the scenes, they allowed an illegal action, known illegal action to continue because it's going to work against Donald Trump. He is an intelligence operative first working within the administrative, you know, the, the prosecutorial side of things, but he's an intelligence operative first. He's explaining to us how this all works. Folks, what, excuse me, Charlie, I need a little help, man. I'm having a brain ding ding here. What department would the FBI fall under? What branch of the government? Well, it's under the executive. Who's in charge of the executive? Uh, well, supposedly nominally. The president. So if he knows this is going on and he allows it, would this not be an impeachable offense according to the Constitution? Well, only if we upheld the Constitution. Yeah, there you go. Well, we won't do that. So never mind that, folks. Let's go to the next one real quick because I am out of order from your homework now. And this is all at the DOJ. I mean, at the Republicans. It says, House Ways and Means Chairman Joe Biden was using Air Force Two as a corporate jet to travel country and meet with Hunter Biden's business associates. There's a video and everything. This is illegal, folks. And I'm not going to read through this. Just, just this part down here. This is 
there's money coming in from all different entities. We've seen it from Ukraine, Romania, China, all of it. We've also seen numerous examples where it appears that Joe Biden was using Air Force Two as a corporate jet, traveling all over the country and meeting with Hunter Biden's business associates. Okay, that's illegal, folks. And this is why I did this. GOP neocon Senator Lindsey Graham suggests lack of evidence against Joe Biden's corruption. Why is the Republican Party protecting Joe Biden? Why is the House Speaker having a vote to decide whether or not we're going to vote, to decide whether or not we're going to investigate, to decide whether or not we want to vote, to vote, to vote, to investigate, to impeach Biden? Why don't you just file articles of impeachment and then hold the trial, which is where you're supposed to do the investigation to begin with? They're having an investigation to decide whether they're going to have an investigation to have an impeachment vote. That's not the way the system works. You don't do that. The Constitution says you just file articles of impeachment and then you hold a trial. The trial conducts the investigation. So what you are watching right now is kabuki theater on the part of the Republican Party meant to drag this out. Now, it has been pointed out by several people involved in all of this why you would do that. Because if you actually impeach Biden, the GOP will go, rah, rah, rah. And I'm going to be sitting here going, dummies, you did exactly, you know, the, the rank and file Republicans, the voters, rah, rah, rah. They don't want to impeach him because then you're going to end up with Kamala Harris as president and you've done the Republic, uh, the Democratic Party a favor. Now, I understand why they're not impeaching him politically, but you weren't sent there to play politics. You were sent there to uphold the law. And Congress has an oversight authority. And you know that this president is not in command of his faculties. And even still, you know he's committed high tr- crimes and misdemeanors. Your own Republican apparatus within the the department of the the Congress, the House, is telling you we've got the evidence we need, and you won't do anything about it. You, Republican Party, not just not just the leadership. If you're voting for them, knowing that they're this broken, you're part of the problem too. This gets under the no good Nazis. If you're a Republican, well, I'm not supporting that. Good, you're claiming to be the good Nazi. This doesn't work. Somebody's got Charlie laughing somewhere. You want to explain this, Charlie? I just heard him. Oh, no. (laughs) No? (laughs) Check check the comments on Facebook. That one's not for publishing. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll have to read that later because I can't see it then. Um, The Republicans are actually, what they're doing is trying to pretend, you know, they call Lindsey Graham a neocon. In other words, he's not really a conservative. Yes, he is. He's a Republican. He's a rank-and-file Republican. You can't call everybody in the Republican Party a rhino and then still claim it's a Republican Party according to the way. You're the rhino. If if you're not in line with the agenda of the Republican Party, which is a corporation, then you're the one that's out of lockstep, not them. You know, well, we'll change it from within. Good luck. It's a corporation. They're not going to let the stockholders change anything unless they want you to. It doesn't work that way. You have to have a hostile takeover. I don't remember seeing anybody go and buying up all the stock or whatever, doing the legal maneuvering to take over the Republican Party. So what we have here is evidence that you're not voting your way out of this. You're not going to. It's not going to happen. Now, the second thing I had in the, in the you know, we get away from Patel for a little bit here. Did anybody see this story? Charlie, did you see this one? 
Multiple IEDs discovered at the U.S.-Mexican border after threat levels heightened. Oh, I haven't seen this one. Oh, boy. This story is all over the place, but I just grabbed this one off the Federalist Papers. You can find it in other places. But an IED, folks, that's an improvised explosive device. That's what they used all over the place in um, Afghanistan and Iraq and everything to combine our soldiers. Most of these things are made by, you know, people say, well, that's just the jihadis. Yeah. Most of the IEDs that were being used in the Middle East were coming from Iran or being funded by Iran. I would like to know, and I didn't read this article. I didn't need to. I read another one, but I, I, I don't need the article in this case. Yeah, you do. No, no, I don't. I have confirmed that they're finding these IEDs, many of them. If we link any of these things in any way, shape, or form back to Iran, that means anybody who has voted to supply or allow the money to go to Iran is technically at war with the United States of America because we have funded it. No, Joe. Yeah, it does. Yes, it does. If you provide aid and comfort to a country that is attacking this country, you are constitutionally guilty of treason. That's going to be both parties that has allowed this because, well, the Republicans are in Congress and, you know, this was Biden did this and they can't really stop. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. This gets back to what I was telling you before. Well, the Democrats attached that FISA warrant to this bill that we have to pass and we're going to have to pass it because otherwise the government will shut. Good. Let it shut down. The only time I will ever quote Sulu's character from Star Trek. Say, if we go any faster, Captain, she'll fly apart. Sulu slams the table and says, fly apart then. Let it. Oh, there's my infinite regress video. Let's get that off the board. So the Democrats come up and say, okay, well, if you don't do this, this, and this, you know, vote for my unconstitutional warrantless crap so I can spy on Trump and keep him from being president. We're going to shut down the government. Let them shut it down. Only go one better. This time, you're the house. You do not need the Senate to pass your spending bill. You can shut it all down. You need the Senate to pass the spending bill so they can actually spend. You're the House. You control the purse strings. Just tell the federal treasury, no more spending. No more spending until we tell you otherwise. Throw us into a constitutional crisis. I don't care. Shut it all down. See, normally when we have these shutdown battles, you're not really shutting anything down. The function of government, the bureaucracy is still funded. What I'm saying is unfund it. Make it so that anybody at any level, from a janitor to the president who comes to work, is working for free until you say otherwise. And then go home. Adjourn. And when the president calls his emergency session, ignore him. Throw the country into a constitutional crisis over this. Make the states wake up. GOP. If you really cared about the nation, you'd do something like this. You'd do something drastic like this because what you have just done by passing that bill, you violated your oath of office because so you're no longer an American. You're a traitor. You are a subversive. And seeing how as part of the government, you control weaponry. Yes, you're part of the civilian weaponry control. That makes this sedition too. Even though you're not pointing the guns at anybody yet, you're using force. You're using the implied force of government to attack this nation. That's where the true January 6th sedition is. It's within our own government. It's all by definition, too. Form and function. Not the legal definitions. Throw that law book out of the way. Legal language is meant to make ordinary words meaningless. Legal language is at the heart of Isaiah 5, 20, 21. 
It's meant to make good sound evil and evil sound good. Throw it away. Go to form and function. So Patel has been telling us this in his book. Gangsters, they're all gangsters. They're all after money. They're after more than money. But until we realize that this, this is how bad off we are. The Republican Party, you can't vote your way out of this, folks. They just voted to help throw a next election. That's what that's what Patel was telling you. He's inside the system. He's seen how this works, and he's telling you that this is election interference. Folks, by definition, if you're interfering with an election, that's election fraud. Not voter fraud, election fraud by the United States government. In other words, the juntas are picking their own leaders. Tell me that that's not a banana republic. Tell me that. Somebody honestly tell me that with a straight face. Tell me, honestly, I've had a lot of folks argue with me on this. Joe, we're still under the constant. No, you are not. No, you are not. No, you are not. You think Biden's making all the executive decisions in this country? You and I both know darn well he's not. He's wandering around somewhere without any clothes on looking for his tapioca pudding. And if you hadn't heard that, the reports coming out of the White House say that they do have trouble with him wandering the house naked. He's in full-blown dementia, folks. He's not of sound mind and body, which technically, if the Republican Party were on our side, they would just stand up and say, you know, we don't have to impeach him. He's mentally incompetent, so everything he signs is illegal. It's not valid. He's not of sound mind and body. His signature carries no weight of law. So until you impeach him and replace him, we can all go home because he can't do anything legally. See, any way we go now, we're in constitutional crisis, but nobody wants to nobody wants to recognize this. So how are you going to do this? The GOP is showing us that Carol Quigley was correct. Remember Carol Quigley? He wrote the book Tragedy and Hope. He says there's one party pretending to be two. They give you the illusion that you can vote the other bums out. But when the other party gets in, they just do the same thing. Well, we've made the Republicans a majority party how many times over the last 20 or 30 years? And nothing ever changes. That's because Carol Quigley was telling us that Carol Quigley, like Mr. Patel, was an insider. He knew what was going on. He tried to warn us. Nobody wants to listen. Oh, that's just conspiracy theory. No, it's not conspiracy theory, folks. Remember? It's intelligence operation. You know, it's war gaming. Only in his case, it was a whistleblowing. Comment on the board from John Quest is not sure if they passed it or not, but they are trying to make it where president can no longer pull us out of the UN. Well, that would require an alter, uh, altering the treaty. And you know what? I don't really give a rip. I'd pull my, I'd pull us out of the UN, whether that was an illegal treaty to begin with. So the Republican party, they're really not they They talk, but they don't help us on the borders. So they're allowing IEDs into the country. They're allowing Chinese nationals. They're allowing Muslim radicals. They're, they're allowing enemies of the state into the country by the thousands. Um, I saw a meme and I looked it up. It's true. The Democrats have offered if the Republicans will vote the way the Democrats want, the Democrats have said, you know what? We'll shut the borders down to where there's less than a million, about a million people coming into the country illegally. Okay, so everybody's like, oh, wow, cool, that's blackmail. What? No, no, that's not blackmail. That's actually proof that this is intentional and that the Democrats know it. They've got a target figure because right now it's like 5 million a year they think are coming in. They've got a target figure of people they want. Well, the target figure, the, the, the estimation of 5 million, those are the ones that they know that they're bringing in. They're busing 5 million people a year into this country. They're not counting the real illegals that are coming in for just to 
feed themselves. This is the 5 million people they're bringing in here to replace the military and to get ready to take us over. I firmly believe that. I'll show you a story in a minute as to why. Now, remember, IEDs are coming in. And you're gonna, you've got a, a Democratic senator saying, let's just put all these 5 million people we're busing in into the military. And then the Democrats tell the Republicans, hey, if you'll just vote the way we want, we'll make it less. We'll just make it a million people a year. That's an admission that this is all planned, orchestrated, and that people know exactly what they're doing. Because if you're telling me that you can limit it from 5 million to 1 million, implicit in that promise is that not only do you have the ability to do so, you know how many people are coming across. Pay attention to what people say. So the Republicans are not helping us there. It's all talk. The Republicans, the party, is not helping us with spending. I saw another one here, a, a watch tank over this. We are very close to the point where the federal government is going to be putting us $1 trillion in debt every 45 days. Another trillion. If things continue the way they're going now, every, 40, every month and a half, $2 trillion. Every month and a half. That is unsustainable, folks. We're going to collapse. We cannot sustain that. We can't pay off our debt right now. We're already a dead country walking. Nobody's paying attention. The, the Republicans are not helping us with the military. The story I'm going to show you next is frightening if you know what you're looking at. The lawlessness in this country. The Republicans are, we are guaranteed a Republican form of government. We have DAs going into these states that are not enforcing their own laws. That is not a Republican form of government. The federal government now has authority to step in and take over and restructure those state governments. That's constitutional law. Why isn't the Republican Party doing this? Nope, no help there. We have judges that need to, they're just rubber stamping crap. This judge that's involved in one of the Trump campaign, you know, the January 6th prosecutions. Oh my God, look into that woman. She, she, how did she not get kicked off of the, uh, off the case for bias? And the Republicans aren't making a scream about this. She's a federal judge. If it was a dem, if this was reversed and it was a Democrat being prosecuted this way by Republicans, the Democrats would somehow or another. They always do this as a minority party. They always manage to be able to stop the majority Republicans. They'd be screaming bloody murder. The media would be all up. In it. Where's the Republican Party? Well, they don't have a control. Yeah, they do. They got control over Hannity and Bongino. Why aren't they getting those talking heads to scream? It's not happening, folks. The Republicans are not helping us with the corruption. They're not helping us with what's going on in our schools. You just had a school official got signed in on a stack of gay porn magazines. That's not a, we're not even going to get there. And now the religious aspects of this country. The, the, the Republican Party is part of this. They're, it's all part of the theater. And you think it's not. It's all acting. Rush Limbaugh tried to warn us about this. We didn't pay attention. We thought it was a joke. What did he say? They, they go into politics if they're what? Politics is Hollywood for ugly people. What was he trying to tell you? He's trying to tell you that when you go through the Ivy League schools and you get into this system that Wilson designed, if you're pretty, you go to Hollywood in the media, or if you may be marginally talented. If you actually know how to get things done, you go into industry. And if you're just an ugly person, you go into politics. And then you intermarry back across all the borders. You think that's not what's going on? Have you been paying attention? Yes, it is. It's how it works. 
Next story, not the multiple IEDs, but um, this one. Let me blow that up for us. This is from the Gateway Pundit, but they snagged it from somewhere else. It says, woke U.S. military faces 2024 with the smallest size and lowest qualification levels in 80 years. Pentagon issues national call of service to young generations. I'm going to read some of this. According to Daily Mail, the total number of active duty personnel has dropped to levels not seen since the early 1940s, a period before the U.S. entered World War II. If you do not know World War II history and if you do not know how bad off the United States military was in the beginning of that war, then this probably doesn't mean anything to you. To those who do know and understand, that is a frightening statistic right there. Because in our day and age, it means we will not be able to spool up in time to save this country should something major happen. And then one of the things Patel told us in the interview with Beck we have spent seven years worth of United States surface-to-air missiles in the Ukraine. We've given them to the Ukraine, meaning it will take us seven years of production to rearm. That means we cannot get into a shooting war with the, anybody of any equivalence, or we will not be able to defend our airspace. We've expended ourselves in the Ukraine just so people could get rich, and at the same time, they're weakening this country militarily, making it easier to take us out. If you think nobody knows that, Charlie, you're still listening to Nudge, right? Yeah, I finished it, but yeah. doesn't this sound like it is uh, under the control of somebody who understands Nudge? Send all my stuff to the Ukraine, spend some money to make more weapons, knowing that it's going to take seven years to get there, and in the meantime, degrading our anti-aircraft defenses. Oh, don't get me going on that one. That's straight out of Nudge, isn't it? Oh, but yeah. Well, it's a, this is more shove and shoot, but yeah. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? It's straight out of Nudge theory, isn't it? Yes. So you at least understand, now that you've listened to the book, you understand why I keep telling people to listen to the book, don't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Everywhere, isn't it? It's everywhere. Yep, it's everywhere. So let's keep reading this here real quick. The emergency challenge in the military recruitment are becoming increasingly evident, as seen in this year's significant shortfall of 41,000 personnel. This gap highlights the widening disconnect between the military establishment and the younger generations. Then it goes down to this. This is the intelligence report. According to a report released earlier this year by four retired generals, the majority of Americans aged 17 to 24 are not eligible for military service. Why? One, physical health factors, including obesity. In Illinois, nearly one-third of young adults are too overweight to qualify for the armed forces. Yet such problems actually begin much earlier in life. The obesity rate among two to five-year-olds in that state is 13%. Two, academic factors. Military service requires a high school diploma or GED. However, nearly one in eight Illinois students fails to graduate with four year, within four years, a figure that increases to one in five amongst low-income students. Statewide, about seven out of ten incoming kindergartners are unprepared for school, uh, school success, according to the report. Three, social and behavioral factors such as substance abuse and criminal records. Nearly 9% of Illinoisans age 8, 12 to 17 report using drugs in the past month. Illinoisans 18 to 24 years of age comprise 15% of the adult population, but 33% of the adults arrested. In other words, they're just not qualified. So um, let me ask you a question. I thought the military was just stupid, you know, but we at least require a GED. And we can't find enough people that are not fat 
not dr- you know druggies, not um, obese, a uh, drug criminal, smart enough, you know, for the military. Can't find them. Well, that's going to be because we're engineering people that way. So what's that get us to? Well, this is intentional, so that we create. Oh, Charlie, pop your microphone on again. So part of nudge is to create the crisis that requires your solution that you've already got going, right? Oh, of course, yes. So we're going to create a crisis in the military by degrading our population. And what's the solution going to be? Put all these Chinese and Arab immigrants, the illegal immigrants that we bust in into the military. Yeah, yeah, that works. Yeah. And then what's the danger of that, Charlie? Oh, there's no danger. That, that'll, that'll fill the military's needs. With people who are not loyal to the United States. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, then you can cross the Rubicon. Oh, well, isn't that what the plan is? Oh, I mean. (laughs) We got to censor Charlie. He just gave it away. (laughs) Yes, folks, that's what the plan is. So you think this isn't intentional, right? You know, Joe, this is all just conspiracy. Okay, 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 okay. Education. It's done through education. You know, hello, Woodrow freaking Wilson and John freaking Dewey. This is from Reason, Free Minds and Free Markets, blah, 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 blah. It says, uh, Harvard poll, Harvard-Harris poll, huge majorities of 18 to 24-year-olds believe Jews and whites are oppressors. And it's the opposite for everybody else. So what's this got to do with anything, the 18 to 24-year-olds? Well, folks, this mess in this country goes back to about 2008 when we have fundamentally transformed the United States of America. So 2008, it's 2023 today, right? So what we got there, 12, 13, 14, 15 years. Let's take 15 years off of this. So what we actually have is children that are three to eight years old. In other words, just starting school after Barack Obama had his chance to fundamentally change the United States education system. So we can go right back to that point in time. And those children that have come through since Barack Obama, 79% of them support the ideas that whites are oppressors. But everybody else, it's reversed. It's the other way around. They're like, no, that's just garbage. And back to those children again, 67% of them see Jews as oppressors. That was, this is a bigotry that has to be taught, folks. You're not born this way especially in a country that was predominantly white. You're not born that way. That has to be taught to you. Which brings us to the next. Now, this is what, this is really cool to me. This is from the tablet. And the tablet, I, this is the Air About page. Tablet is a Jewish magazine about the world. Okay. I've never seen, whoops, never seen this site before in my life until a week ago. I saw this article. Stop being shocked once and for all. The ideas, institutions, and people that caused the collapse. In other words, this isn't this is intentional. It's all on purpose. I saw this article last week, and I stuck it in my Manic Monday file. It was in my Facebook feed. I'd never seen this website. I'd never seen any of this before. I found this article. I hadn't read it. I just stuck it in the file for later use. I haven't seen this site tablet in my Facebook feed since. One time shows up in my Facebook feed, and it happens to be this article. And what do I find out here? 
It says, none of the horrors you are witnessing this week, not the massacre of Jews, not the betrayal by public figures and popular activist movements, not the moral insanity of our universities and cultural spaces happened by accident. For the past decade, an elite consensus began to emerge. It was, a mar- it was marketed as a worldview of optimism, of progress and justice brought about by the dawning of correct morality. It favored using the power of digital monopolies and elite institutions to re-educate America in new and better ways of thinking, writing, speaking, and being. In other words, we're talking about the woke movement. And you go down here, and it talks about all these. This is below is a selection from the past five years, and these are all articles and things they've done about the attack on Jews in this the rising attack of anti-Semitism in this country. So it says for a printable special edition of the tablet featuring these articles, click here, and you can get all these articles. And it goes over how. This is all intentional. It's been manufactured. Barack Obama is no fan of the Jews. The Democratic Party is no fan of the Jews, which is amazing because the Jews support them. I don't get it, but that has to be manufactured, and the youth are supporting this. There arose a generation that did not know God. Charlie and I were talking about that earlier today. Did not know God? Well, That's from the Old Testament. And it says there's a generation that didn't know God. That doesn't mean they didn't know anything about God or that they weren't religious. It means that they didn't have an intimate relationship with the Creator. It means the same thing Jesus says in Matthew 7, verses 20 through 23. Be gone from me. I never knew you. You weren't intimate with me. It says, you who practice lawlessness. You didn't obey God's rules. So the Old Testament says there arose a generation that did not have an intimate relationship with their creator, they were lawless. They ignored his rules. We are raising such a generation. We are intentionally raising children that do not know God. They go to church. They know he exists. They might even believe in him, but they don't obey him. The devil believes in God. His demons believe in God. The fallen angels believe in God. They just don't obey him. That's it's not obedience, Joe. Then why isn't Satan saved? No, I'm serious, folks. Why isn't Satan saved? He's got faith in God. He knows. He believes. Well, it's because he won't claim the name of the Messiah. No. No, it's because we have the wrong idea of what the biblical idea of faith. It's trusting reliance. In other words, I know God will keep his promise. Now I'm going to act as though it already happened. I'm going to act. We think that's a work. So we're, those of us in our church, for the most part, we're part of that generation who does not know God. And most of us are going to be shocked when he tells us, I never knew you. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the results of that engineering. That's what's going on in this country. So when Patel, he comes up with his book, tells us, and he's just looking, it's all about the money, money, money. Well, let me ask you something. What does Bill Gates care about money? What does George Soros care about money? What do the Rothschilds or the Rockefellers care about money? They don't. They're part of this equation. They're the part that Mr. Patel never mentions. He doesn't mention the people who are in this ideologically. He doesn't bring that up anywhere. Well. So you're going to tell me about the useful idiots because they are. If you're all about the money, 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 you're a useful idiot. Because 
I know how you're going to operate. You're just going to operate on greed. That's predictable. Greed and self-interest, that makes you predictable. That means the people above them are using them as pawns. And the people who think that they're running this country don't realize they're pawns. They think the people below them are the pawns, which makes it all that much easier to do. So Mr. Patel may well be a white hat, maybe. And if that's true, Trump might be a white hat, meaning good guys, maybe. But I'm a continued skeptic because I've been fooled way too many times. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Or no, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame. Well, if you're going to fool me 50 million times, double down, shame on me. So I need continuous, repeated, sustained proof that you're one of the good guys. So I don't know. I'm going to allow grace until he proves me otherwise. I'm going to say, okay, Mr. Patel. You're one of the good guys and you mean well. So why'd you miss the bigger part of the picture? I'm going to tell you it's because he doesn't look at it with the proper eyes. I'm still allowing him grace. I'm, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here, folks. I'm going to say, okay, he doesn't look at this through spiritual eyes. If you're going to look at things just through material eyes, just as an intelligence operative, money, money, money. Okay, got it. He should understand political agenda and ideology as well. And I think he does. And that's the part that makes me skeptical. Excuse me. Because as an intelligence operative, he knows darn well that money is not the central motivation. It's not the most important. There are two more important motivations that I can get you to do things for more than money. Love and lust. And before you buy an informant, you try to use their patriotism or their religion against them. And if they're susceptible to lust, you try to use lust against them. Because if you can get them caught in a honey trap, then you don't have to pay them anything. You just blackmail them all the time. They do what you want, you give them more little honey trap. They don't do what you want, you threaten to expose them. Doesn't cost you any money. See, operatives have budgets too. So Mr. Patel knows these things. He doesn't bring that up at any time in the discussion in his book or in that video which is why I hold out a great deal of, I'm going to allow that he's a good guy, but I'm going to hold out a great deal of, uh, you didn't talk about other things that are important here. That makes me worry about you. You could have at least given a nod to them. Comment on the board from Clay Toller. He knows what names he can and can't say. Nobody wants to get Clintonized. Now that's an entirely, that's entirely real possibility, Clay. He could be protecting his own life. You're right. See, I'm telling you, I'm going to give him grace here. I'm going to extend a hand of, okay, you're being honest with us and, and you mean well. I'm going to give him that benefit of the doubt. But trust me, there's a huge skeptic in me that's like, there's things missing. Because Clay, he could have at least mentioned these subjects without names. He could have at least made a nod to it for those who know how to listen to him. But he didn't. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to tie some of this together for you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what's going on. And I'm going to show you why I keep telling people, if you want the answer, this is the answer. This is where you got to go. I'll show you. We've covered it before. But we're going to use the words. We're going to go to the men. We're going to look at the ideas and the motivations. And we're going to look at the outcomes. And we'll tie it all together. Probably end class a little early today, but 
We'll see you in six minutes. Stay in your seats or get back in your seats by that time. Six minutes. See you in a minute.
All right, real quick, I had forgotten to mention in the uh, video on your homework with Glenn Beck and Mr. Patel, in the pay, behind the paywall, he mentions January 6th. He talks about January 6th. And in this case, folks, I don't know. If you've got the money, oh, I can't believe I'm about to do this. It's worth, if you have the extra money, it's worth um, a membership to the Blaze just for his Wednesday shows. His his research staff is brilliant. Some of the interviews he has is brilliant. This is Glenn Beck and the Blaze. But Patel talks about January 6th. And oh boy, he goes over how Nancy Pelosi violated the Posse Comitatus Act. Th this is an impeachable offense. So let me ask you, if you're going to throw Santos out because he's accused of corruption and you know that Nancy Pelosi broke the law by asking the army to send troops and tanks to DC streets to do act as a police force that violates the Posse Comitatus Act. What she did was illegal. You don't even have to accuse her. You can try her on this one and get a conviction today. If you follow the law, you know, if anybody cares about the law, why is she still in Congress? Why don't you kick her out? And she wasn't the only one that asked for this. But then he also goes over the fact that there were known, I think it was one or two dozen FBI agents in the crowd inciting them. And it was known. And he, Mr. Patel calls this a false flag entrapment attack on January 6th. And he even goes over how Trump technically is, is by the standard of the law, innocent. Now he's a prosecutor, right? Well, yeah, but he worked for Trump. Okay, fine, either way. But he knows the law. And he's telling you that by the letter of the law, Trump is innocent. Why? Because he was nowhere around there. And he was telling all those at the time, they know where he was. And he was telling people to go home. You can't convict somebody of inciting a riot while he's busy telling you, hey, be peaceful, go home. So what we have here is a false flag attack of January 6th that gives them the crisis they needed to push the FISA warrants and a whole bunch of other stuff. So like I said, that interview and the book, very worth it. Very worth your time, money, whatever. Worth it if you can afford it. I'd much rather you buy us a, you know, $5 cup of coffee every month, but you know, you know, if not us, go support Glenn Beck, whatever. Okay. So here's the part that Mr. Patel misses. None of this is going to work because society needs a moral compass. The people as a whole, the nation needs a moral compass, a common moral compass that we embrace as a people. That doesn't mean you won't have subgroups here and there, but I mean the majority of the people, 60, 70, 80%, we got to be high majority, 70, 80% level where we all embrace the same moral ideas, the same moral concept. If you do not have that moral unity, the idea of right and wrong and the central idea of what your nation's all about, you can never, you're screwed, you're done, you're toast. You're, you're just going to fall into dictatorship. And this is, we have no, no leadership that'll guide us and hold, make us hold the line. So not only do we not have a moral compass and not only the people not agreed on anything, there's no leadership telling us this is right. That is wrong. Period. End of story. We compromise on everything. We are a balkanized, leaderless, faithless nation. And that is why we're in decline. And that is why this quote, these three quotes are back up on your screen. This is John Adams, the Atlas of the Revolution. He says again, 
and this is after the revolution was over. I think he's writing it. I think this is from a speech dedicated to uh, West Point or something like that, 1824, somewhere in that area. It's close to the end of his life. He says, the revolution was effected before the war commenced. The revolution was in the minds and hearts of the people. You know, they were born again. A change in their religious sentiment of their duties and obligations, their religious sentiments. This radical change in the principles, opinions, and sentiments and affections of the people was the real American Revolution. If you will not listen to the man that is called by his peers the Atlas of the Revolution, the man who held it up on his back, then who are you going to listen to? Quit pointing to the American Revolution and to the Founding Fathers as a model for anything if you will not listen to one of their principal spokesmen. He continues, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. Same man that says, this is not a Christian nation. I think maybe you misunderstood what was going on in, the, in that treaty with the Barbary pirates. He's not saying we're not a Christian nation. He's trying to get that treaty signed. This is the same man here years later after he's been president. The general principles on which the fathers, the founding fathers, achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. He believed it when he was young. He believed it when he was old. Finally, he says, we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. In other words... It is inadequate to this nation at its time and in, in, in this place and time. The Constitution is not meant for us. It will not work for us, and we cannot operate it. We are not a religious and moral people anymore. We have the appearance and the trappings of religion, but we are not a religious people. If you doubt me, watch tomorrow's show when we talk about Christmas. <laughs> I'm going to show you a bunch of religious people in the second half of tomorrow's show. You think that you know, the Westbury Baptist Church are, are fanatics. Well, just hold on. We're going to talk about Christmas. You're going to find out what fanaticism is all about. And it goes back to the founding fathers. This man here probably agreed with what I'm going to teach you tomorrow. But no government capable of, with the power of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion, those are the moral compasses and the internal restraints on our actions. Let that sink in, folks. He just told us that screw the Constitution, modern America. You're beyond it. It's it's you're not capable of this. You need something else. And Robert Winthrop, he's in the mid 1800s. He's he's Speaker of the House. He's going to tell you, you're either going to be governed by the Bible or the bayonet. Well, we've rejected the Bible, so quit complaining about the bayonet. Kneel down and lick the hand that feeds you. And may the chains of your your slavery rest lightly on your shoulders and posterity forget you wherever his countrymen. Another quote, if I'm not mistaken, by Sam Adams, president of John Adams. And I didn't quote it directly. It's a paraphrase. But 
there's very few left in this country that were willing to die for something, let alone liberty. And if you're not willing to die for something like that, then you don't deserve it. Yeah, I know. There's that hard truth again that everybody doesn't like from me. It's true. Next quote for you. This is John Jay, first chief justice of the Supreme Court. And he writes this about that time in his life. No human society has ever been able to maintain both order and freedom, both cohesiveness and liberty, apart from the moral precepts of the Christian religion applied and accepted by all the classes. There's that common unity about the belief system. Should our republic ever forget this fundamental precept of governance, men are certain to shed their responsibilities for licentiousness. And this great experiment will then surely be doomed as it is now. Let that one sink in, folks. The founding fathers warned us. We don't care. (coughs) Excuse me. Remember this one. We got our hashtag ready? Everybody ready? AI, you ready? This is Woodrow freaking Wilson. From his essay, What is Progress? 1913. He says, well, we, meaning the progressives, are architects in our time, and our architects are also engineers, because, you know, he's scientific. We don't have to stop using a railroad terminal because a new station is being built. In other words, I don't have to stop using this government because I'm making a new one. We don't have to stop any of the processes of our lives because we are rearranging the structures in which we conduct those processes. In other words, we don't have to stop living while we rearrange our culture. What we have to undertake is to systematize the foundations of the house, then to thread all the old parts of the structure with the steel, which will be laced together in modern fashion, accommodated to all the modern knowledge of structural strength and elasticity, and then slowly change the partitions Relay the walls, let in the light through new apertures, improve the ventilation. In other words, I'm going to use science to redo the whole of society, government all the way down to mankind, even through eugenics. And I'm going to put this in language and a metaphor that just makes you think like progress. We're going to build a new building. That's what he's doing. He's talking to the people in the language of their times. And he says, until finally, a generation or two from now, the scaffolding will be taken away. And we will build a tower to get to heaven and make a name for ourselves. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun, huh? Charlie, you just saw that. And Wilson continues. And there will be the family in a great building whose noble architecture will at last be disclosed where men can live as a single community cooperative as in perfect coordinated beehive, not afraid of any storm or nature, not afraid of any artificial storm, any imitation of thunder and lightning, knowing that the foundations go down to the bedrock of principle. And knowing that whenever they please, they can change that plan again and accommodate it as they please to the altering necessities of their lives. He wants to build the Tower of Babel. How'd that work out the first time, Charlie? Um, well, they had a little confusion. Got scattered all over the face of the earth, didn't they? Yeah. How'd that work out for the Northern Kingdom when they tried it? Um, yeah, they... Got uh, scattered all over the yeah, face of the earth. they're still scattering all over the place. How do we think it's going to work out for us now that we're trying it again? Oh, it's going to work this time. That's right, because now progressives are doing it. Yes, yes, of course. Well, we'll come to that in a minute, because, you know, progressives are perfect. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. It's got to work this time. Don't doubt me. They've said so. I'm going to show that to you in their own words today. This is the competent. This is, oh, oh, everybody ready to say this with me again, too? We're, we're going to, re ready? This is also Woodrow, Woodrow Freaky Wilson. Wilson. Yep. This time, Leaders of Men, June 17th, 1890. It says, the competent leader of men cares little for the interior niceties of other people's character. In other words, the competent, the good leader, the one who knows what he, he doesn't care about your character. He cares everything for the external uses to which they may be put. In other words, I don't care about you. I care about what I can do with you. How can I use you? That's exactly what he's saying. So he says he will seek the lines of least resistance. In other words, the competent leader is going to seek, you know, do this the easy. I'm going to nudge you. And if I have to, I'll shove you before I have to shoot you. He says, but the whole question with him is a question of the application of force. The competent leader is a tyrant. That's what he just said. The whole question with him is, do this the easiest way possible, but how do I apply force? There are men to be moved, you know, nudge, shove, shoot, and how shall I move them? He, the competent leader, in other words, Woodrow Wilson and the competent dictator, supplies the power. Others supply only the material upon which he and power, the power operates. I'm God. You are the material on which I work. This is exactly what he's saying, folks. Wilson continues, the power will fail if it is misapplied. It will be misapplied if not suitable, both in kind and method, to the nature of the materials upon which it is spent. But that nature is, after all, only its means. It is the power which dictates, dominates, and the material yields. The will of the competent leader, the will of the tyrant. You yield, I dominate. Men are as clay in the hands of the consummate leader. Folks, that is a biblical language. The Bible uses the image of the potter and the clay. You are clay in the hands of the consummate God. Do not doubt me. This man speaks in language as though he is God. It has not changed. Every child in America entering school at the age of five is insane because he comes to school with certain allegiances to our founding fathers, toward our elected officials, toward his parents, toward a belief in supernatural beings, and toward the sovereignty of this nation as a separate entity. It's up to you as teachers to make all these sick children well by creating the international child of the future. In other words, good communists. This is Dr. Chester M. Pierce, professor of psychiatry at Harvard, specializing in global mental health disorders, psychiatrists addressed to the Childhood International Education Seminar, 1973. And he is parroting, anybody want to say this with me, boys and girls? John, John freaking Dewey. Dewey says, the teacher is engaged not simply in the training of individuals but in the formation of the proper social life. In this way, the teacher always is the prophet of the true God and the usher in of the true kingdom of God. Man as his own God. That's exactly what these people are saying. Through education system. Folks, through the education system, right? How did we get from where this country used to understand right from wrong to this? How did we get here? The Harvard-Harris results, worse than you think, 18 to 24-year-olds, 60% said that the attacks on the, the 
Israel were justified by the Palestinian grievances. 60% of the youth said that it's justified to rape and murder people and to kill children, babies, infants, behead them, burn the bodies of these women while you're raping them. That's all justified because of the Palestinians' grievances. Folks, that means Hitler was justified to kill the Jews. That means World War II was justified by Hitler for the grievances of the Versailles Treaty forced on him by people like Woodrow freaking Wilson. 79% of these children, these 18 to 24-year-olds, support ideology of white people as oppressors. 79% think whites are oppressors just because you're white. Nothing to do with your character. You're white. You're an oppressor. Folks, do you understand 79% of the 18, 20, that means you got white people thinking they're oppressors. That's a mental disorder right there. 67% support the ideology of Jews as oppressors. That's Jew hatred. You, let me thump my table for a minute. You want to know how the Germans fell for Hitler? You're watching it in your own country right stinking now. Hitler Jungen. Yeah. The Hitler Jungen. Heil Hitler. Hitler youth, the Hitler children. Give me a second here because this pisses me off to no end. Quick little anecdotal story. You've heard it before, but it doesn't matter. You can ignore me if you want to. Back about 2012. There's a local radio station. I'm not going to mention the name. I st I'm friends with the guys. I, I managed to keep that up. I, I, I patched things up at least decent enough. We're civil. But I used to be on his show a lot. Had me as a guest on. I called in. I talked a lot. Had my own little following within his audience. I didn't want it. That's not the point. But 2012, the election campaign, I told everybody on his audience that the United States was following the path of Nazi Germany in the early 1930s. And he got angry with me and he told me he didn't want any talk of Nazis on his channel. And he forbid me to ever call again. And we had a falling out. And I posted an article on the Rio Norte line and you can go still find it. You go to the Rio Norte line.com. You go to the search engine, you look under black three actual, that was my pen name, but you look for, we're following the Nazi path, Nazi Germany. Put that in the search engine. You'll find that article. I've shared it on here before. 2012. And everybody I know got ticked with me. I lost many friends. You go back and read that article today. You're going to call me a prophet and nailed it. I did nothing special. All I did was face the monster eyeball to eyeball. He was visible back then. You, you had to pull the curtain back a little bit. You had to have some knowledge of 1930s Germany. You had to have some knowledge of the progressive movement. You had to have some knowledge of human nature. But I told you what we're going to have. I told whoever would listen that we were going to be right here where we're at now. I thought it would happen sooner. And that's only for the hand of Yahweh on this country that the brakes are being ridden. But as soon as that hedge of protection is taken away from this nation fully, we will fall into evil the likes of which the world has never seen that fast. Glenn Beck's warned his audience. He said, we'll become the most evil nation that's ever walked the face of the earth, ever, ever existed on the face of the earth. We're almost there. Nobody's paying any attention. Even Glenn's missing it. I'm not. I see it right in front of my face. It's right there. It's right there. That's the chart from that study. 
you can justify the Palestinians' actions. 27%? What this is telling you, 73% of the the people, the way they're doing this, down on the bottom, the columns, which you really want to watch. You know what? Matter of fact, I had this in the show notes. Let's drop this. Give me just a second. I'll bring it up. It's in your show notes. You can find, um, I put the study in there. At least I think I did. Yeah, I did. There it is. Let's go to it. I had it up a minute ago. We, we should have read it then in there. Go to this. Let's just go full screen. So the uh, there's an ideology that white people are oppressors. Eh, make that go away. If you are 65 or older, 81% say, no, that's not true. If you're in my age group, 55 to 64, 74% say, nope. If you're 45 to 54, 67% say, nope. If you're 35 to 44, 61% say, nope. 25 to 34, 51% say, no, whites are not oppressors. If you're 18 to 24, 79% say they are. If you look down here, the Jews are an oppressive class. They get into that. And then the the numbers on whether or not the Palestinians were justified in what they did. Folks, this is just hideous. It's hideous. How did this happen to this country? We've allowed this. Don't, Don't excuse yourselves. None of us need to excuse ourselves. If your child is not in um, homeschool, don't excuse yourself. You're not innocent to this. So make it that way you will. Let me show you something else. I'm going to put this one up there for you. Right here. This is from Not the Bee. Fauci says he's Catholic but does not need to practice his faith because his personal ethnics on life are so strong. You go down here. This is Laura Powell's ex, you know, formerly Twitter. She's got the video where you can watch Anthony say this. He says, Fauci says, my personal ethnics on life are so strong that he has no need to practice his religion, his Catholic religion. He says, it seems like a pro forma thing that I don't really need to do. Laugh track. Yeah, Natasha. Yes. Folks, you don't have to practice your religion. Your ethics are stronger than your religion's ethics. This is the man of lawlessness from 2 Thessalonians 2. He claims to be a Christian, a Catholic, believe in the Bible, but he knows better than the Bible how he should act. This is the man that is knowingly murdering people through his jab. Oh, I haven't brought that to you. There have been some studies come out lately. They knew that Pfizer's jab was going to kill people and they didn't do anything about it. It's been proven now, peer-reviewed, peer-studied, factual evidence. It's been published. The evidence is in. Yes, yes, Genevieve Thomas, he's his own God. Exactly. But folks... So we know he's you know he's on the left, right? He's he's leftist. We don't have to worry about that. The Republicans are going to save us. Well, tell me how Fauci, his words are any different than this one. Why do I have to repent or ask forgiveness if I'm not making mistakes? Y'all remember President Trump? Now I'm not picking on either one of these men personally. 
what I'm actually trying to get at is the spiritual <coughs> connection behind all of this. If you think you're perfect and you're not making mistakes, I've told you before that the progressives and the people doing all of this think that, that they are more intellectually knowledgeable and that gives them moral imperatives. Fauci says, you know, my ethics are stronger. Well, if you're unhinged from God's moral compass, you become depraved. So it's easy for you to teach yourself, you know what? If I kill 900 billion, if I kill 9 billion people, as long as I save that 500 million, I saved humanity. And if I teach that 500 million to all kumbaya, I've put heaven on earth and God will reward me. How, what makes you think God's going to reward you for doing something he told you is his job, not yours? You, you think you're God. I've tried to tell this audience many times. I've told every audience that has ever bothered to listen to me when I was guest on radio, when I'm blogging, these people think they are gods. They say it all the time. I don't have to practice my religion, which includes the Ten Commandments, because my personal ethics are stronger than theirs. Implied in that is I can do whatever I want because I know better than the people who gave than the person who gave me the Ten Commandments. I know better than Jesus. I know better than his father God. I, I'm I'm good. I don't need that religion. Second Thessalonians 2. Take the seat in his heart and say, I am higher than the Almighty. Well, congratulations. You and Satan are brothers, spiritual brothers. But everybody that wants to, I'm a Christian. I'm Donald Trump is good man. No. By the Bible's definition, no, no, heck, he isn't. What do I got to repent for? He claimed to be perfect. I made no mistakes. He, According to the Bible, Trump claimed to be the Messiah. No, Joe, when the fake Messiah comes, we'll notice him. Will you? If you're a put double mask on and triple quadruple jab yourself because Fauci said so, man, you thought he was the Messiah. You didn't recognize him coming saying he's the Messiah. His ethics are better than the Messiah's. You didn't recognize that false Messiah. If you're a mega, 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 mega is going to save us, you didn't recognize that false Messiah. Are you really going to recognize the false Messiahs when they come? Really? Are you? Both men tell you they're perfect. I just showed you their words. They said them. You can verify them. It's true. They both said that. They both said they're perfect. How many men, human beings, does the Bible say have lived a perfect life? One, and he wasn't fully, I mean, he was fully human, but he was also fully God. So how many just human, no God men have lived a perfect life? Goose egg. Except for these two men. And Woodrow Wilson. And John Dewey. And just about every progressive that's ever lived since. Now, let me ask you something. Before you go looking at them, when's the last time you looked in the mirror? Do you have any other traits in your life? Have you dealt with that? If you don't, good. You're one of them. What? No, Joe, I just said I don't. Yes, you do. That's the point. We all do, every one of us. The only person you can deal with in that regard is you. You can't change 
Fauci or Trump or anybody else in this world. And you have no right to do so. That's their free will. The only person you can deal with is the one in your mirror. And you can encourage those around you, those that you have direct influence with. And you can abhor them and uh, cajole them and try to encourage them and try to convince them to, to work on themselves. But you can't make them do that. And even if you could, it wouldn't be your job because then you're trying to remake the world. We call it progressivism. It's man as his own God. What did, Charlie, what did the snake promise Eve in the Garden of Eden? If she would just eat that fruit, what would she be able to do? You would know good and evil, just like God. And become like God. Yeah. What were they trying to do at the Tower of Babel? Oh, well, they were trying to make a name for themselves. Which in the Hebrew understanding was yeah, yeah. raise themselves up to the level to of God. become God, yes. And why did Aaron and the people almost get themselves killed at Sinai? Um, yeah, they Creating their own God? Yeah. And what happened to the Northern Kingdom? What, what got them really in trouble? Yeah. Creating their, their own, own God? Gods. Yeah. Oh, that's the Bible idea of idolatry, folks. Yeah. Hasn't worked out well for them. No, it doesn't. So I have a question for you in the audience. There you go. Charlie's favorite meme. For those of you who are listening on the podcast, it's just a picture that says, how's your spiritual warfare going? Because if you think everything we've covered today is not about spiritual warfare, <laughs> really? How do you think all the gangsters in Washington, D.C. play nice together for so long and do so so well to the point that their velocity vector is pretty much all in line with each other? That's against human nature. That doesn't work. Humans are cats. They go in every direction. But the gangsters in Washington, well, it's because it's got to work that way, Joe, or they can't get rich. Then who created that system? It didn't just haphazardly fall together. Well, that was Soros. No one man can do that because no one man can enforce all the different mob bosses to do their will. Clay Tolar says, funny how we all walk around with the tree of knowledge in our hands, but we aren't any smarter. Ever learning never understanding clay good observation remember folks you say well the the bankers are going to control everybody right okay pretend for a moment that i'm joe biden and you're a rothschild in switzerland telling me well i'm going to pull all your financing joe joe goes yeah no i don't think so you're going to keep doing what i told you to do what makes you think we're going to do that joe Switzerland's in a mountain basin, right? Well, yeah, what's that got to do with anything? It means that all of the radiation that's going to be there after I nuke your entire country is going to stay in the mountain basin. We'll be okay once you're gone. Nice knowing you, Rothschilds. Oh, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait a minute, Joe. You wouldn't do that. Have you looked at me lately? I'm crazy. Yes, I will. The Rothschilds go, you and me, Joe, all the way. You forget these crazy people that are in charge of this country have their, they have control of the football, you know, the codes to launch the nuclear weapons. Oh, by the way, if you watch the show, especially if I think it's in the after show, Cash Patel leaves another really, really, really huge clue that uh, Beck, he was stumped. He didn't get it. 
Patel said the most powerful defensive structure of the United States is underwater and in space. I know about the underwater part. He meant defensive weaponry. What the heck is in space? And who told us that they were going to weaponize space right before they took over the world? Star Wars. Yeah, this is Werner von Braun. And you think those UFOs are alien craft. How many of you understand that UFO, that there's a, there's a, you've seen them in space, right? In the sky and everything. How many of you know about the ones that travel underwater? What? How many of you know about the underwater unidentified objects that have been found lately and been seen? Oh, and they come out of the ocean and they go into space and they come down from space and they go into the ocean. And Patel told us our most powerful defensive weaponry structure systems are underwater and in space. Yeah, and there's this Air Force orbital vehicle that is, you know, it only orbits for a couple of years at a time. Actually, the one I'm thinking about is the hacker who said he found all those ships and the names of the officers on those ships, but not a one of them was in the U.S. Navy's registry. Right about the time that they made a Space Force. Yeah, but yeah. But that's just conspiracy theory. That's just a conspiracy. That that's, But we don't do conspiracy theory here. We war we game. We, we, yeah. We war game from now on. So I'm going to war game. What if the people who have tried to tell us this, those flying saucers are actually man-made craft, partially powered by knowledge acquired from the occult and fallen angels in the 40s by the Germans that were taken by the United States in Operation Paperclip, perfected, turned into man-made craft that can go into outer space, which means you no longer need to use rockets to get to the moon. You can just zip yourself out there whenever you want to. And these craft can also go underwater. Well, that's craziness, Joe. Is it? There is evidence in the public record that that's exactly what all this is. USS Enterprise. There you go, folks. And it would fit perfectly with the hint that Patel gave gave in the interview that right over the top of Beck's head. Because he couldn't be talking about submarines. Because we're not the only ones that have really powerful submarines that know how to do you know snoop and poop stuff i mean come on the chinese snuck up off the coast of california and launched an slbm which means they got past america's attack boats and sosa system thank you bill clinton so folks we're in a lot of trouble we are in a lot of trouble and you're not getting out of this through conventional means we're gonna start wrapping for the day Unless Charlie or Natasha or anybody on the board, you got anything else you want to bring up today? Have we been manic enough? Yeah, it's. These are the most depressing days for Charlie. The poor problem for this folks, let me throw him on the screen. I know he's not going to like it, but the problem for this poor man here is he knows a lot of what I'm telling you from his military time. Things that. He's not as willing to come as close to the edge of the abyss as I am with the things I say that 
I skate on the hairy edge of what I'm supposed to be saying and not saying. He stays, he's more of a cautious man. He likes yeah. to stay back and keep a couple hundred yards between him and that security clearance line. Yeah, yeah, I had, <laughs> I, I had a, yeah, I have to be careful. So do I, but I don't give a rip anymore. Well, yeah, I understand that. Of course, yours is more recent than mine. Yes. Mine's a lot older. Yes. 20 something, 30 years older. So that provides me marginal buffer, but a little bit. Yeah. I understand how the process works. Like what we were telling, talking about just a little oh. while ago during the break. Yeah. Okay. So they wiped somebody's super, super secret Blackberry phone. Folks, do you understand what's required of that? So say you're Joe Schmuck, the politician, and you wipe your phone. It didn't go anywhere. No, it didn't go anywhere. Well, yeah, the NSA has it, Joe. No, 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 no. There's an intermediate between no, your phone and the NSA. No, it, it's saved on a server somewhere in a secure building on a closed loop, which means to wipe that file, you have to get past the physical security, you know, all the locks and the net retina scans and the guards. Then you have to get into the, the room where you can access that computer system. And then you have to get past the electronic security. And then you have to have a godfather above you that protects the whole operation so that when it gets found out that it happened, nobody comes looking for you. Right. That's what we're talking about. And that's what Patel was trying to tell Beck. And that's what went right over his head. Yeah. Is that this is planned and coordinated. This is not when the media tells you, oh, it was accidentally deleted. No, you cannot accidentally delete this stuff. Hillary's servers. She destroyed them. No, you can't exit. Well, they were in her own private property servers. Yes, there was a backup to it. How do you know that, Joe? Because we were told there was a backup to it, and it's in the Ukraine, or it was at one point. Why would the backup for a United States, United States State Department servers be in the Ukraine? <laughs> See, Charlie understands this doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> I know nothing. And then, yeah, like William Holt says, you can't get rid of the metadata either. <laughs> All right, folks. Tomorrow, I want to go over the history of Christmas. Um, a lot of people say, well, it's a pagan religion, you know, in, you know, holiday and others will be like, no, it's not. It's about God and Christ and the birthday of Jesus and this and that and back and forth, back and forth. Is there any way to sort it all out? Folks, I'm going to toot my own horn for real this time. Most of the time when y'all think I'm doing that, I'm not, at least I don't mean to be, but today I am. I bent my brain for the last 48 hours on this subject. And if I had not been a very well-trained philosopher i'd have never figured my way through this quagmire but tomorrow there is a conclusion to be had and it is sound valid and rational and it's a very strong argument i know where to come down on this and i'm going to use the church's own evidence against it what yeah fa la 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 oof <laughs> natasha <laughs> so i'm going to show you the history of christmas and I'm going to show you why people say it's pagan. And I'm going to show you some of the people who have claimed that it's pagan. And then Wednesday, we're going to follow it on with a biblical class on why you shouldn't be doing this thing. Are you going to talk about Krampus? Are you? Are you? Are you? Mm, not directly. No. Oh, darn. But a lot, of so your, a lot of your Christmas holidays come out of Germany. The, the traditions from come out of Germany. Why would that be important? 
Well, the Germanic people. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I know history's told me. But if you trace the Germanic people of today, the ones who started this stuff, they may not ethnically be the people you think they are, or at least not what history tells us they are. There's there's a there's a there's a there's a few uh, uh a few lost Hebrew tribes mixed in there. So Saint Nicholas was a real person. Yeah, but he ran around punching people. Did you know that, Clay? <laughs> yes, he ran around punching heretics. And hey, is he the protagonist of Die Hard? <laughs> he may be. <laughs> but there's somebody even before St. Nicholas that might well be. Um, yes, what would happen is the, the man that you know as St. Nicholas in the Catholic history of this, and the, which becomes Christian by default, just a quick one because he's not in the tomorrow's show. He would run around giving gifts to children and punching heretics in the mouth, knocking them out if he could. And he becomes the St. Nicholas of Christian lore. But there's also a, a person who – different figureheads in Central European um, festivities dealing around the, the winter solstice where you'd have a guy who gave out gifts and also gave out commands and everything. He was kind of like um, uh, King Neptune in the crossing of the equator. If you know about the navies, you know, they've got these little traditions. If you're going to be the cross the equator, the shellbacks and all, they, they got this little tradition they go through. Like King Neptune is the the MC of ceremonies, the master of ceremonies. Well, in, in European, central European winter solstice revelry, they had a master of ceremonies who very well may be the precursor for, santa claus because he would give out gifts and punishments and all sorts of other stuff as well um and then there's the stories about how it was gifts in the stockings there's many 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 different legends for this and this is one of the reasons that we had i had i tore my hair out trying to work my way through this to where i could actually i did enough work over the weekend that i could write a doctorate thesis and defend it yeah two days now, I, I would need to write it and document everything, but I did enough work to get the ideas in my head at the level where I could stand up in front of my philosophy department and defend my position now. And if you know anything about me, that's not a light statement. That means I've got this subject down under my belt now. So not perfect, not claiming it's perfect, but I got it down under my belt enough that I can make definitive decision on this one and I'll share it tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, we'll go over the scriptural backup for some of this stuff. Thursday is going to be a donut off the chain day. I don't know what the heck we're going to do. I don't care. I need a day where I can just ramble. So I'm going to get hyped and I'm going to run like a big dog on anything that pops into my mind. This time I'll try to avoid Bigfoot. We might talk about UFOs and aliens. I don't know. How about skinwalkers? <gasps> yes. Are we going Art Bell again? Oh, yeah, man. We are going to Art Bell on triple donuts and caffeine. Oh, yeah. I might even bring the tortoise's medicine bottle back in. We could do drunken donuts. Okay, now I'm a little scared. I could bring the tequila in. We'd oh, really be don't. doing drunken donuts. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Nobody can drive home after the show. Why? Because everybody's laying around on the floor holding it down. No, not really, folks. And then Friday, we'll wrap up with my little applied logic lesson on the Hebrew Roots movement. Um, real quick warning before we sign off every day. We will not be live next week. Starting one week from today, we're going to put six shows in a row on the scheduled thing, and we'll you can watch replays. Hopefully. Hopefully. We're going to try. 
And then I think we're back on um, Tuesday of the new year. I think that's the second. I might be wrong. I don't have my calendar. I believe it is the second. Yeah. So at least we're not going to leave you hanging for a whole week. And uh, I've already been asked. Yes, it'll be the second. You know, given my views on Christmas, why am I taking off the week of Christmas? Got nothing to do with Christmas. BB's off and I'm going to go take time with my wife. And it's also traditionally for the last 20 years, the time of year where I take off for myself because it is the slowest part of the year for me and my business. And my granddaughter has a birthday the end of December, so I'll be out of town. So it all just works. Plus, we have to reprogram the AI and reboot it a dozen times yes. and hope that the programming takes. And the last time we compiled her live on the air, it didn't go well. So Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just, bad. Yeah, so this gives us time to fix her. Or is, the, is a furry a her or an it? Well, it can be a her. Okay, so we'll call it a her. But sometimes with furries, it's hard to tell. Yeah, it's hard. All right. We'll see all y'all tomorrow. We thank you for being here. I love you. Hopefully we're serving you in some way, shape, or form. If we can do better, please email us. Let us know. Joe at the road to Concord. I did answer my emails today. I'll try to get better at it tomorrow and the next day. And if anybody you know, questions, comments, whatever that you don't want to post publicly, send the email. Um, if you do share this show with friends, we ask that you send the link directly to them in a message or a text or something. If you just share it on uh, you know, social media, good luck. We are throttled there. We know that is a fact. It's not just a war gaming because conspiracy theory is an outlawed topic here unless we are ridiculing somebody. Um, just also, if you're going to send somebody here, ask them to give the show some time. It builds on itself, so we need to have more than one show under your belt. Um, and then warn them about me. I, I don't care what you say about me. I, I really don't. I understand. I, I run the gamut. Some people like me. Some people hate me. Most people are kind of like, ugh. I got it. I know I'm used to that. I've been seeing that my whole life. Um, but like I tell people, I've had friends who think, well, you know, you're Sheldon Cooper. No, I'm telling you I'm closer to Gregory House. House knew the difference. House didn't give a rip. That's closer to me. I don't always catch the social convention. So there's a little bit of Sheldon Cooper in me. I know that. I got, I, I got that a little bit. But for the most part, I just don't care. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm past the point of giving a care anymore. Which means... I am primed to earn the Medal of Honor. Well, most people who win that medal are just so tired and hungry and don't have any more Fs to give that they go and do something stupid and blind luck and the good Lord's grace, they live. Or they don't and they get it posthumously. But that's that's how you end up winning that medal. So anyway, I, I don't have any more, as Bongino would say. There's no more, you know, that letter left to give. So there I am, primed for a middle. We will see all y'all tomorrow. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Bye-bye.